<laughs> Woo! Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, beautiful people. I'm Babs Ross Ivy. Ah, this is Love Babs Love Talk. Harry is somewhere floating in the ether. <laughs> I, I'm tired because I stayed up. Harry, I stayed up late last night watching the results for Georgia. And then I stayed up and watched, you know, all the commentary. Like two different sets of commentary. I don't know why I did that, but I'm good and tired now. But I was so, you know, just so into it. So, uh, so yeah. So Georgia has its first elected uh, African-American to the Senate. And that is uh, Reverend Warnock. And uh, it was nice to... Nice to uh, watch last night. And I wanted to stay up to see his speech and hear what he had to say. So, And I'm glad to have played some small part in the election of Georgia because, you know, I letter wrote um, James Foreman, pulled together some folks, which he does all the time. And this year I got invited and uh, went and uh, wrote letters to folks in Georgia. There was two groups, people who wrote postcards and people who wrote letters. And I was in the letter writing campaign uh, and it was it was thrilling. I had a nice stack of papers, letters to uh, get done. And I did my whole stack and uh, just encouraging people. You know, I got to be a little personal and uh, it was great. So and uh, I got a, a email this morning from uh, James Foreman saying, you know, that he knows that people in Georgia got these postcards and and letters and that it did make a difference. So I'm glad. I'm just really, really glad. So, so yeah. So what I couldn't send in money, I spent in time. So I was very happy about that. So it's Wednesday, 10 o'clock. I've got Miss Tina um, 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 Haskum coming on from Lada Studio because this weekend is... Um, anti-mall weekend at Lotta Studio. And I know what anti-mall is. So you don't have to go to the big box stores. You can shop locally in one place. So they're doing that. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be around. I won't be in town to uh, participate this year. But oh, in years past, I've got some really great things through the, uh, through the uh, anti-mall shopping. And, uh, and I still have. So there you go. A lot of artisans, stuff like that. So so go. It'll be great this weekend. It'll be great. So she'll be on at 10.15 to talk a little bit about, uh, a lot about, <laughs> a lot about a lot of studios and um, the concept of anti-mall shopping. And uh, I think it's been a few years now that we've been doing it. Although the pandemic cut out a couple of years. So. You know, I need water. I I dreamed, I slept hard. I had lots and lots and lots of vivid dreams last night. Vivid. I, my mother was in my, I saw my mom was in my dream. And uh, I had gotten into the divinity school in my dream. So I don't know what all that means. But I'm a girl for dreaming. So there's that. Uh, so uh, shout out to the uh, to the to the guys at Public Works, my brother Robert and them, <laughs> my brother Robert and them, 
um, doing their. Let me tell y'all, if you want to do something nice for public works, and don't say you heard it from me, but you know, you can leave gifts on the bins when they come pick up the recycling and the garbage. You can leave gifts on those bins for them. They won't throw them away. They'll notice. <laughs> and by gifts, I mean, you know, good good alcohol, good scotch, good six pack. You know, you could do nice stuff like that for them. You know, they they won't do they won't drink it on the job. It'll just they'll just take it home. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, or you know, gift card, you know, all kinds of stuff. Just thank them for your for their service. I mean, yes, they get paid, of course, of course. But I'm just saying, you know, you you know how you leave a gift from your mailman or when I was growing up, we used to have a milkman uh, used to deliver fresh milk to the house. Uh, and he'd get a gift. Uh, Leo, the fish man, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So, you know, your public works folks, you know, if you feel inclined or, you know, or leave a six pack of apple cider, who cares? A gift is a gift is a gift. But they do so they do so much work so you could leave them a gift, you know. I don't know if I could do it in this neighborhood because the, the moment I'd have to sit and wait for them to show up because I know people that in this neighborhood uh, will just walk off with it. <laughs> no shade to the people in this neighborhood. I'm just saying you cannot leave stuff like that. You know, I used to do it when I lived on when I lived in Beaver Hill. And it would just sit there, except that one time somebody walked by and was trying to steal all the big giant bulbs off of my tree in the front yard. <laughs> and then he dropped them. And we were like, what are you doing? <laughs> Those are not yours. He's like, oh, no, they, they fell and I was returning them. No, we were watching you steal these bulbs off this tree. Uh, oh, what a world, what a world. What a world, what a world, what a world, what a world. Right, isn't that, isn't that the woman from uh, The Wizard of Oz, The Green Witch? What a world, what a world. Ooh. I needed that water today. Just need a little hydration. Get the, uh, get the blood flowing. Uh, and not to mention that, you know, drinking copious amounts of wine. It, it, it doesn't, it, not not a bad thing. You know, when I drink good wine, and I often drink good wine, um, you don't feel as horrible. It's when I drink swill, you know, that it, it starts to feel a little janky. But I feel fine this morning. I feel absolutely fine. I believe Anru will be on tomorrow. So we can get us some uh, some good vibrations in which would be nice, you know, tap into our ancestors and our Orishas and uh, find out what the word is. Uh, I know Paul might be out on these streets. He might. I think Wednesday he is, uh, he is uh, out here in these streets looking for, uh, you know, a little slice of New Haven, a little slice of New Haven. You see what I did there? A little pizza reference because New Haven is such a pizza town. And, uh, you know, we are serious about our pizza. Serioso about our pizza. 
so much so that there's no place in the world that you can go without uh, getting into a conversation about, well, what pizza do you like? <laughs> what do you like? I like this and I like that. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful that there are people in this town that make good vegan cheese pizza. Ha ha ha. Good vegan cheese pizza. So I don't suffer. You know, like die. So, <laughs> so yes, yes, yes. Uh, I am going tomorrow night to see a soldier's story, a soldier's play. I'm going to go see that tomorrow at uh, Schubert. Uh, I can't wait to see it because it's been a very long time since I've seen it. So I'm going to see it. And uh, and I know it'll be riveting. And Charles Fuller was amazing. And, uh, and I'm still stunned that I just found out that he passed just this past October. So, yeah. So I'm going to be in the theater tomorrow night. Um, the Hang Time folks are having their event tonight, which I don't think I'm going to get to uh i don't think i'm gonna get there um her time hang time community celebration is uh um tonight and it's been eight years and uh congratulations and they're going to be at beacon hall at housatonic college from six to nine uh i i don't think i'm gonna make that uh, I might, we'll see, but un unlikely, unlikely, but I will send my, my best regards. Um, and, you know, uh, Charles Grady knows that I, he has my heart and, uh, and I support this organization as best as I can. Um, so I might not be able to show up for this, but I know it'll be fabulous with fabulous people. And um, Charlie Grady, thank you very much for the invitation. So, but I've got a lot to do because I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. I mean, uh, Friday and I'm getting out of Dodge for the weekend. So I've got to, uh, I've got to, uh, you know, do some laundry <laughs> and, uh, uh, pack accordingly because you know, going down South, we're going down to North Carolina and the weather is a bit warmer. So, so, um, so I have to pack accordingly and just make sure. You know, I'm not dressing like I'm dressing in Connecticut, you know. So, so there's that part. Um, I see the uh, uh, Elliker has announced his bid for re-election. <sighs> Somebody, anybody, everybody, make a run. Just, just because, just because, no one should go unchallenged. Not in elections. I don't care if we do. If you like somebody so much and you think they're doing a fabulous job, no one should go unchallenged. No one should go unchallenged. And that's including people that I dig uh, because it just makes you nimble. And, and it's, it's, this is our democracy. We don't, we, we don't, we don't crown kings and queens. So, you know, make a run. Even, no matter how ridiculous it may sound or seem, if you feel like you can run this city, throw your hat in the ring. Throw your hat in the ring. If you feel if you feel like you can run this town, I, I, get in there. Get in there. Get in there. So we'll see. Hopefully some folks will rise to the top. You know, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> 
I'm going to bet my last dollar, honey. Isn't that what Don Cornelius used to say? <laughs> it's all going to be a stone gas. <laughs> I'll bet my last dollar, baby, it's all going to be a stone gas. Ooh. Yes. Let me tell you something. Let me get back to Georgia for a minute. I, I, I am, I tell you what I'm, I'm baffled by that there is no ground for the Republicans that they will hit. There's no ground. If there's a ground, they are falling with shovels so they could go lower. Herschel Walker was trash. And, and, and what they did was they found an amenable Black man and slapped an R on his back and said, oh, this is this is what you need, black people, and I and I I find that so unbelievably insulting that they thought that in broad daylight that they was gonna shove this brother down our throats and say, oh well, he's he's black, so therefore, are you kidding me? I'm there's I'm I'm starting to feel like there's no lens to what these Republicans will do to win. Not to govern, just to win. Win it by any means necessary. They don't give a damn about governing. I've not seen a good governing Republican yet. But yet, they always want to win. I think the idea of winning is just all they want to do is win. And then destroy. Win and then destroy. Win and then destroy. That's, I guess that's the new playbook or the same old playbook. It's just unconscionable to me that they would put that man up against who, how do you spend all this time talking about werewolves and vampires on a campaign trail as if that is the most challenging thing Georgia's got to deal with? So you mean to tell me that what's on the hearts and minds of Georgians is werewolves and vampires? See, that kind of foolishness right there. And then the nerve, they overlooked that this man had a bunch of domestic violence cases, paid for a couple of abortions. And I ain't mad at him for paying for abortions. Listen, he got the money to pay for him. That's responsible. Uh, uh, he lied about being in the FBI, lied about being a police officer, Oh my God, lied about all kinds of stuff. And yet they slapped that R on his back and baby, it's on and popping. So I'm glad that the majority of Georgians didn't fall for the okie doke. Like in plain sight, they tried to do this mess. And I'm thinking to myself, this they think that Herschel Walker is the kind of black people that black people are. Granted, a small percentage of us are, but that's not the majority. No, they didn't go get a well-spoken, they didn't go get smart, they didn't go get someone who has real ties to Georgia. No, they go get a has-been washed up football guy. You know, because I think for the Republican parties, that's very American, right? That uh, 
athletic prowess and 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 politics go hand in hand as if as if as if the 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 sports world is a stepping stone to the highest office in the land i guess i mean that's i mean that's that's the way they want to go with this i mean it's seemingly looking like that to me that if you're a sports icon that somehow or other you would be a good legislator i i don't know how they make that leap or cross that bridge which is a bridge too damn far but Herschel walker and now they won't have anything to do with him now and this is a donald trump a devotee right i i he was on uh the little show the little fire show what is it um whatever that little second rate game show was you know uh so he was on that show um and you know donald trump likes to be in that massive role right massive massive role and he likes black people to be in that uh, enslaved mentality role hence Herschel walker you can't tell me otherwise i i'm i'm still in the james baldwin camp i can't believe what you say because i see what you do and uh the Republican Party is notorious for this mess. Notorious. Although I thought this was a bridge too far, but apparently they didn't think so. And the fact that it was a tight race, that gives me so much pause. A tight race indeed. And then and then it wasn't. <laughs> you know, you bring all the the the, the Metro Atlanta folks in. And them rural, them rural folks who, you know, vote the way they're told to vote. You know, because they really think they really think they're, uh, you know, those poor rural, rural white folks think, and, and some black ones too, think that their their <laughs> their fortunes are tied to this foolishness that they have some something in common with these Republicans, and I'm here to tell you, you don't. So anyway, here's word on the street this morning. I'm so happy, so happy that word on the street is popping in. Good morning. Just unmute yourself. Good, Good morning, morning Paul Bass. How you doing? I see you have on a turtleneck. Is it cold? No, it's just uh, raining, but I'm with George. He's busy in the rain doing some uh -oh. work. Good morning, Jeff. This is Bob Terrell's Ivy. You're on radio at WNHH. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good, good morning. I like that hard hat. That's a nice color. Ah, like it is, color right? So George <laughs> is a carpenter, and he's hanging out now behind. Do you remember the old Plymouth building, Babs? It's across from St. Ray's and Sherman and Chapel. It was once a church and then a synagogue. Now it's medical offices that got fixed up. Oh, George, George, what are you doing here today at the Plymouth? Building? Well, right now we are installing the um, um, doors and hardware. We are tooling all the old doors. We're installing the new no, new doors, new hardware, and all that kind of stuff. So in other words, the building was already working, right? People were working there and they had doors, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. What was up with the old doors? The old doors were taken off, put in the garbage, and put in like a new wood doors. <laughs> new wood doors. Yeah. And what do you feel like when you're working on a job like this? That there's history in this building. I people have been something. doing stuff in building yeah. for hundreds of years, and here you're giving it new life, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's, it looks awesome inside. 
And what's yeah. it like for you to know that, like, what was wrong with the old doors? Were they worn out? What were they made of? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't metal doors. Right now, they are putting wood doors. You know, it's like so you're replacing metal things. doors with wood yeah. doors. Uh -huh. Now the metal doors is going to be just down in the basement. Mm -hmm. But um, the stairs and inside for the office is going to be a wood. And is that because they look nicer? Like, were metal doors a cheaper way when they used to keep these buildings going and they didn't care about mm -hmm. as much the history look? Is, like, is this part of making this a, a, a nicer building or is it yeah, more nicer safety? Building, nicer building and safety as well. And tell me yeah, about the yeah, safety. Yeah, because uh, some doors are making for like um, uh, to hold the fire if, if, the, if there is going to be a fire in the building. So they, these kind of doors are very heavy to hold the, the, the fire, the smoke. So very still. So as you're putting in heavier doors that would stop fire from spreading? Yeah. Now, the fact that they're wood don't make them more dangerous than metal? No, they, uh, they, they make it inside is like... Fireproofing? Kind of, yeah, fireproofing. What, so. what are the kind of doors called? Those are uh, fire, fire, uh, fire radiator doors, something like that. Fire? Ra uh, radiator, radiator, something. Fire radiator doors? Yeah. Is there a brand name? Yes. What's the brand name? Uh, it's okay if you don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. So, yeah. George, I'm trying to say your job today. Are you actually putting in the new doors or are you doing some work that gets you ready to put in the doors? Like, what are you doing this Yeah, morning? right now we're putting new doors right here in the first floor. Uh, inside doors or yeah. outdoors? Yeah, inside. And so what's it involved? Are you going to be able to do it all this morning? You ever yeah. get the outdoor and the new one in? Yeah, it's about like 15 doors that I have to get. 15 wow. doors? Yeah, it's going to take me maybe the whole day. One day, 15 doors? Yeah. And how many people do you work with? We are two. Two, two. people, uh -huh. one day. 15 doors. Yeah. What yeah. time did you start? Uh, seven. How many you got so far? Uh, so far we are five. Five down, 10 to go. Yeah. Not bad because it's only, so two and a half hours you got the first yeah. five. Uh -huh. Are some harder than others? Yeah, some ones are harder than the other ones. And what makes some harder or uh, easier? The, the hardware. Some ones have like uh, electric hardware, so it's more complicated to install it. And is but that because people get buzzed in for security, like electric hardware? For ones where they have yeah, security, for, security you, for you got to swap the car so the door open and not all the doors have that no no, no. and um, do you have a company you have your own company yeah what's it called ata carpentry ata carpentry like alpha tau alpha yeah and is it did you start the company yeah we just started like i would say a month ago what yeah you started a company yeah you're yeah, the founder did. or we uh, no we are i is like me and my cousin you and your cousin started yeah. a company a month uh -huh. ago what were you doing before that uh, we we used to work for another company doing finished carpentry, trim. And finished carpentry, I, I, I'm ignorant. I never heard that word before. Mm -hmm. So finished carpentry is a kind of carpentry. Yeah, finished carpentry is everything like the fancy stuff inside, like crown molding, like baseboard, doors in houses and uh, commercial buildings. As, well. as opposed to what? Like what's not finished carpentry? The not finished carpentry is like the rough carpentry. Like making houses, uh, you know, all the framing, the structure, and everything. Yeah. Uh -huh. What made you become a finished carpenter? What specialize in that? Well, that's what I learned when I just came here. You know, where, where yeah. did you come from? Ecuador. You came here from Ecuador. Yeah. When uh -huh. did you come? I would say like thirteen years ago. And what brought you here? My dad, he brought me here. So. How old were you? I'm uh, thirty-six right now. I came when 23. I was twenty-three. Yeah. And what? Why did your dad want to come here? Well, I mean, you know, better opportunities in this country, and um, yeah. So before, just one month ago, you and your cousin started this company. Yeah. What's your cousin's name? Uh, Maria. 
Maria. So you and Maria are cousins mm-hmm. yeah. from Ecuador. Yeah. Before that, who, where did you work? Who, uh, where did you work before that? I well, I was living when I just came here. I was living in New Jersey, so I was working, you know, warehouses and uh, stuff like that. And then I came here. When I came to Connecticut, I started uh, doing a finished car business. And what, when was that? When it was, uh, I would say, like six years ago. How does seven. a person become a carpenter and a finished carpenter? You're working in a warehouse. Yeah. How are you able to then become a carpenter? Well, you know, you got to keep looking for uh, more opportunities. So I contact my cousins. They used to live here. So they were working in the company. So they got you the... Yeah, somebody, they got this, me Who in. taught you? And my cousin. Uh-huh. He yeah. was a carpenter. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did you get this first gig? Like if you just started a month ago, how did you get this yeah, job? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to keep trying to keep going and going. Like how did you find someone to hire you to do the doors? Well, the, the GC is my... Um, I know them. The I general work, contractor. Yeah, I used to work for them. So right now I tell them, hey. I so that's know. how you get started. Where did you used to work for them? Are you ah, an employee? Like you're an employee. Yeah, an employee. Uh-huh. So were they helping you get started here? Yeah. yeah. All right. Know, yeah. Who are they? Uh-huh. What's their name? Um, uh, GDS. GDS. GDS, yeah. And you live in Wallingford? Yeah. How's Wallingford? Ah, Wallingford is beautiful. Tell me about it. You have family yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. My family over there is beautiful. I mean, uh, it's very... Cheap. I, I like the electricity. It's cheap. <laughs> oh, your electricity? Yeah, cheap? yeah. It's cheap. Uh, yeah, my kids, the schools are, are good. How old are they? Um, six and thirteen. And you have a wife? Yeah, my wife. Does she work too? Yeah. What yeah. does she, she do? She works on uh, Yale. What does she do? And um, uh, register. Uh huh. A registrar. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So how did it go today, George? How did the work go on the first five doors? Was it easy? And yeah, unexpected? it was easy. It was easy. Like, what are you carrying here? A closer. Now, what is a closer? A closer is to make the close uh, the door. You know, when you go out, you don't need to. I should have known that. So, so what do you mean? Like, what is it? A piece of metal? Yeah. Yeah. It's and where does it go? Middle of the door? Top of the no, door? No, in the top of the door. Yeah, the top of the door. So. so I'm trying to picture it. Like, what does it do? Like you said, it closes the door. What, yeah. What is, so. It, as soon as you go out, you pull the door. I mean, you push the door and the door closed by own. And what's the biggest challenge of starting your own company? You went out on your own. Why did you want to go on your own? Uh, you know, I mean, it's much better, I think, and better opportunities. And, uh... mm-hmm. and any philosophy keep you going? Like, what keeps you going day to day? What gets you going? To... Family. Yeah, you know, the family and uh, keep growing up. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got these things. Babs, do you have any, any uh, questions for George? When's the last time you've been back to Ecuador? Does he, he asked if he's sending money back to Ecuador? No. When was the last time oh, he was in when's Ecuador? When the last time you visited back in Ecuador? I was there um, a year ago. Yeah. I How often there. do you go? Um, actually, I was in uh, February. I was in Ecuador. Then I went and... September, I went to Mexico in Cancun. Why'd you go to Cancun? Uh, my, for my wife, uh, but okay, for, yeah, for, so, for a fun trip. Yeah, yeah. Did you bring the kids? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we bring the kids and all. And do you miss Ecuador? Oh yeah. Do you like it better here, or is it not one no, of the other? No, I mean, I like here. I like a lot of here. So, you know, in Ecuador, you got your family, but here you got much more uh, opportunities. That's mm-hmm. more important thing. All right. Yeah. Any other questions, Babs, for George? No, just Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. You Thank say. you. Thank right. you, guys. And we're going to sign off here. Love Babs Loves Talk from Sherman Avenue.
the Plymouth Building at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank I'm, you. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna write down just for a second. Get yeah. your. Uh, now I gotta figure out how to. I'm gonna go yeah. find that building now. Now I gotta go look for it <laughs> <laughs> and look at the doors. <laughs> I gotta go and look at the yeah. doors. So yeah, Paul, you're still on air. <laughs> So I'm gonna go find that building that they're working on on Sherman. I don't I don't know where that is, or maybe I do and I just can't see it. Uh, but yay, I you know I tell you, it is a amazing thing. Um, and and we've we've done a lot of talking to folks that have um, came to Connecticut from other places around the world, um, and uh, I find those stories so fascinating because they all say the same things. It is about opportunity. It is about opportunity. It is about opportunity. And, uh, and, and, and so when we, when we as, as Americans and humans, we think about people who come here, um, we, we, should, we should be proud that people wanna come here and add their blood, sweat and tears um, um, to the mix. Like they, that they want to do what we do here, to have opportunity to raise a family, live a good life, be safe, uh, and all of that. And everybody wants that. So that makes me feel good knowing that uh, somebody like him could come here and make a way for himself and his family. That, that's what the American, that to me is the American strength, that we open our doors to people to come and 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 be a part of the larger landscape, you know. And I know there are people out there who who can't stand that people come here and they can't stand that people fight to get here or you know they leave or whatever. Um I I just I I I, I my heart is so has so much sympathy and empathy for people who get here. Um however way they get here, however way they get here. You know, nobody is illegal. Um, um, and, 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 and people come here in all kinds of ways. And, and the people who are shouting that, oh, if they come the right way, like, yeah, people didn't come the right way. Like, what is the right way? There's <laughs> no such thing as the right way. It's what we allow. And uh, we have more than enough. And, you know, and I know this is a, 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 is aside from what this this young man was saying from Ecuador, um, that, you know, he, he came here with his father. But there's so many people who come with their parents and, you know, they slip in and they get in and they show up and on these shores looking for a better way and looking for opportunity. And we should figure out a way to make that a seamless process instead of a hardship. You know, that's all. That's that's just how I feel. Because we have more than enough. There's more than enough. I believe that. I don't think we're without anything in this country. We have more than enough. And honestly, folks that come here just want to work and build their families and have a safe place to live and eat and raise their children and all of that. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I was happy to see him. So... Uh, I am happy to see him. And uh, 
I'm telling you, these little word on the streets are such a slice of a New Haven, such a wonderful slice of New Haven. And we should see it that way. So, but anyway, back to Georgia. Uh, I'm glad Brother Warnock is the new senator and he's got to sit for six years. And and hopefully the Democratic Party can, you know, I I I I'm I I we need a new leader in the Democratic Party. Well, maybe not. Maybe the leader we have is is amazing, and uh, times are changing, and there's lots of work to be done. But we can't sleep because you know while we are sleeping, there are those who are not. <laughs> You know, that, that there are folks who are up right now, plotting and scheming, the next gerrymander, the next voter suppression opportunity. Listen, listen, don't, this is a short-lived celebration. Don't get it twisted. These folks are out here and they're going to do what they got to do to steal elections. They're going to do it. And uh, and you you watch. We have to stay diligent. That's just what it is. I understand that the Trump organization was found guilty of 17 counts of bribery and fraud. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Donald Trump ain't going to jail. You know who's going to go to jail? All those people that work for him. From the CEO, the CFO, the COO, they all going to go to jail. You know why? Because they're stupid and they're loyal to stupid. And they don't mind going to jail for stupid. So that's what's going to happen. That Trump organization, the Trump organization found guilty. And listen, found guilty by people he put on the bench. So there's that. So they can't whine about, oh, 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 you know. No, these are the people you put on the bench thinking you was going to make a way for yourself. Well, now, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to tell you something. You Republicans, and I know y'all are too far gone to even hear this foolishness that I'm talking about, but y'all lost your party. You don't even have a party. You don't have a party. What you got is an extension of white supremacist KKK. That's what you got. You you just got a, you just got a, a, a federal chapter of the KKK. That's all you got. Y'all don't have a party. What party? The Republican Party is not a party. What do y'all stand for? Except voter suppression, white supremacy. <laughs> and anybody that aligns with y'all, it's got to be crazier than a walking jaybird. It's got to be crazy. But, you know, this is the land of, of the free and the crazy. So you have a right to your crazy. As long as you don't hurt nobody. <sighs> My people, my people. And I'm sure there were some black folks that voted for that fool, Walker, because I've I've watched them in conversation in places. And I and I let me tell you how white supremacy works. White supremacy does not depend on just white people. White supremacy depends on other people to carry out white supremacy. <laughs> Just pay attention. Next time you're in spaces with other people who are not white people and you hear some foolishness, some trickery and whatever, that's white supremacy showing up out of the mouths of black and brown people. White supremacy can exist, has to exist 
with not just white folks has to exist with some black and brown people too. <laughs> it does. I see it all the time. People voting against their own interests. What do you think white supremacy is? You know, you got you got black and brown people talking about, I don't want the immigrants in my neighborhood, in my community, in my country. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> That's white supremacy. That's that's that is that is the ilk of white supremacy that has been internalized in people. If you grow up with it, you can't you have to decolonize yourself. That's work. <laughs> that's work. And you got to stop hating your own people. That's work. <laughs> Takes a lot to undo that stuff. You know, but you got to be willing to undo it. And there's ways that you can undo it by reading and being, you know, uh, a citizen of the world because if you're a citizen of the world you can't hold those views they don't they can't exist together you know when you know something about the world and the people in it it can't you can't you can know you can't hold those views you know it, it's just hard for you to hold those views so I, so white supremacy is not limited to white people that's all i'm gonna say it's just not and too many, too many black and brown people don't vote in their best interest. They align themselves with white supremacy because they think they are closer to whiteness and white supremacy than they are to anything else. You know, and and we see it all the time with with folks. <laughs> we see it all the time with folks. You know, they align themselves with people who you like. Are you kidding me? Yes, we see it. So I'm just, I'm just telling you. So just be on the lookout for that, that, you know, it's not just white folks, because I know some white folks that are all about it, that are abolitionists to their core, that do the, that want to stand with black people, put themselves in front of black people at every turn. I know white folks who do it. And I know some black and brown people who won't do it. So there's that part. I know some black and brown people. I mean, and when I tell you I know, I mean, I actually know. Black and brown people who will not stand up for black and brown issues in communities or anywhere, that they will align themselves with white supremacy first because they feel like they are closer to that than they are to their own, to the, to the issues that matter to their communities. We see it all the time. So I'm just telling y'all that you don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. Uh, the majority of them are, but you don't have to be white. There's a lot of black and brown people who, who carry that piss for white supremacy. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. And make decisions accordingly. And make decisions that are not in their best interest. And I mean their best interest, meaning their community's best interest and their people's best interest. You know? So, you know, so so that's 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 quite problematic. And so I dare say that was what was happening in Georgia with Herschel Walker. You know, I don't I don't understand why people couldn't abide, you know, like that. That should not have been a, a it shouldn't have been a nail biter to the end. And and, it, and in the end, it, he pulled a, he pulled a nice lead. But. You know, when I when I see when I see, when I see. Uh, elections like this where, you know, a, a black person is a Republican and, he, and let's let's be clear, there were there were people who could not vote for Walker. There were people who couldn't do it. 
in the, on the Republican camp. I think Republicans have to do a better job of defining what Republican is and then have some internal morality about that and say, you know what? I might be Republican, but I'm not that Republican. And then say that mess out loud and refute the foolishness that is coming through their halls. You know, so that's the problem is they're so afraid of Donald Trump, they don't got no backbone and no spine. I don't understand how you can allow one man to be the bully on the playground and all y'all over there could take him. All of y'all, but you don't do it because you're so worried that that base is going to flip and turn on you instead of cultivating that base away from that foolishness. But no, they don't want to, because that's work, because that's work to do that. You know, they want to just make themselves attracted to the crazy base of Donald Trump rather than do the work of, of, of righteousness. Why? What? (laughs) That guy is poison he has been poisoned he is poison and then y'all just keep drinking the poison oh this is good let me just let me, let me just keep drinking i don't get it i don't get it he's a he's a has-been carnival barker that sold some wolf tickets and everybody and everybody on that camp bought them because when you go back and look when he ran the first time and he ran and all of them lined up when they was all on that stage talking about he would be a disaster. He would be terrible, uh, disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. And they knew then that was the truth. They knew the truth. They told the truth. And then when he racked up the votes, they couldn't. What else are they going to do? They all got on their knees. All of them got sank to their knees. Mitt Romney, too. He tried to act like he ain't get on his knees. He got on his knees, too, and went back for more. So, yeah, so this vain, oh, oh, you know, this change of heart about him. He's a leader of our party, you know, and Liz Cheney, too. Liz Cheney voted more with Donald Trump than any of them. <laughs> and here she is out here being a vampire slayer <laughs> and lost her seat. She even wheeled her daddy out. <laughs> and who's meaner than that guy? Did Dick Cheney. Listen. Who welded a tougher sword than him? And he couldn't bring these Republicans to heed. He couldn't do it. So I'm going to tell you something. They're going to rule the day for this foolishness. They're going to rule the day. So, so you know, so I, I imagine at, at best, they'll just wait for Donald Trump to die. Because that's I think that's their only out, that he has to just, you know, you know choke on some McDonald's or something and die. Because that's the only way they're going to get free. Because they're not interested in freedom. I'm I, I'm watching these people on these shows. And, you know, this guy, this guy had a white supremacist cat, the leader of the white supremacist people, at his house for dinner. Ah! And it's all on the news, on the political shows. These cats are squirming in their seats talking about, you know, well, duh, eh. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, you do not entertain. That's like having Hitler over at your house. Like, who does that? Well, apparently Donald Trump. He don't got no shame. And and then he got all of them doing the dog and pony show about it because they don't want to risk being cross in the crosshairs with him. Because 
if a man can incite an insurrection, what do you think he's going to do to them? If he could get an insurrection going, what do you think that he's going to do to them? It's just crazy to me. <laughs> and then, and then, and this, and here's the other foolish thing. Oh, Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> Your president just his whole organization was just <laughs> was found guilty on seventeen counts of fraud and bribery, and you don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Hunter Biden is not elected to nobody's office. He is a citizen. <laughs> oh, my God. Because you know why? Because they don't got nothing else to talk about. They don't have nothing else in their playbook. Nothing. It is just filled with how can we steal elections? And how can we put crazy people in office? That's it. And then what happened? They stacked the courts with these crazy judges. And, and then it all comes back to haunt them. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Somebody think this through. So you want Trump to be your president again? He's never going to be president again. So all y'all, all these Republicans are sitting around waiting for this man to die. Pray it. I'm sure prayers go up every night. Oh, my God. Kill him. Take him. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they're praying. They're praying that Donald Trump just, because he's not going to shut up. Or maybe he gets some disease where it makes him, you know, I don't know, some 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 disease that'll shut him up and shut him down. Because they're not going to fight against him. And Kevin McCarthy can say whatever the hell he wants. And, and Ron DeSantis, too. You don't got a dog in this fight either, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> so I'm just... They need to get it together. So they they going they gonna be stuck with the with the with the ilk of Donald Trump for a very long time. And I I really think though, honestly, in all sincerity, that the uh, the Republican Party has to burn itself to the ground, just burn itself to the ground, and then I don't know, fix itself. And I don't I don't know how they do that. I don't I don't know how they do that when they've got all these crazy people in their pockets. They got all these crazy people around the country, you know, just liking their brand of white supremacy and foolishness and mayhem. They just like it. They don't have no regard for women. They don't have no regard for people of color. They don't have no regard for the environment. They have no regard for, for international affairs. They have no regard for education. They have no regard for healthcare. They have no regard <laughs> for nothing. It's get rich or die trying. You know, it's by any means necessary. It, it is. It is for them. I don't care about America. I don't. And damn sure, I don't care about Americans. So yeah. So they just wait for Donald Trump to die because that's the only way they're gonna have some guts. Because they don't have any guts. We, we and you can't tell me that they do. Because if they did, he he wouldn't have announced. He wouldn't have been able to announce he's running again. And you know. <laughs> He's not going to win. I mean, we can send we can send the weakest Democrat off the bench to deal with him. And I don't even know who that is because there's so much talent in the Democratic Party. I mean, there's just so much talent. You know, you just need somebody who's willing to take off the gloves a little bit, not not go low, because he is the master of 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 mud and mire. He is the master at that. 
he'll do things that other people in good conscience won't do. And that's how that's how he got elected. And that's how he won people. Because this notion of, oh, I'm a, I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm just t- telling the truth. And I'm just, I'm, I'm saying what needs to be said. And people hear that and think that that's what he's doing. No, he's not doing that. He's just being a racist, bigoted asshole. <laughs> and y'all, and just, and y'all just like it. <laughs> He's taking the reality show mess to to a to a whole nother level, to the White House. <laughs> so I'm just, I, listen. They just wait for him to die. I believe it, because then none of them got the spine or the courage to stand up to that. None of them, not near one of them, except the ones that jumped out of the Republican Party and left it, like Jolly and some other cats, right? <sighs> Y'all not getting your party back. <laughs> You're not getting your party back. Republicans, you going to be the party of the stupid for a very long time. The party of the stupid, the racist, the white supremacist, the party of hate. You are the party of hate. Hate has a new name. It's called a grand old party. <laughs> grand old party new part and and care even less about you know guns i mean i'm sorry managing guns controlling guns you know gun control (laughs) no give everybody a gun (sighs) let them shoot it out that's how we solve it i don't know i'm gonna take a break i'll be back uh i got miss tina haskam coming on to talk about uh anti-mall shopping weekend which is coming up this weekend which is a great thing. And I love the concept. It's unfortunate I'll be out of town, but maybe I'll slip somebody some dollars. Like, if you see something that I might like, get it for me. (laughs) Hi, this is Babs Rawls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing A sling song tonight Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride In a one-horse open sleigh Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way Oh, Was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. He got into a drifted bank and we got upset. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Whoa, I Thank you. 
Nuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that sad on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh 
And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas to From one to ninety-two Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas To Christmas tree, oh, ho, ho, he, 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 someone came and they found me and took me home with them, oh, I'm the happiest Christmas tree, ho, 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 he, 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 look how pretty they dress me, oh, lucky, lucky me, I got shiny bells that jingle and tiny lights that tingle, whenever anyone passes by, I blink my lights and I wink my eye, oh, I'm the Is Christmas tree a Christmas day? Wait and see. I'll be laughing happily with a ho 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 he he. With a hey and a he and a ho ho. With a he and a ho and a ah ah. With a ho and a ha. Someone came and they found me and took me home with them. Oh, I'm the happiest Christmas tree. Ho, 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 he, he, he. Look how pretty they dress me, oh, lucky, lucky me. I got shiny bells that jingle and tiny little lights that tingle. Whenever anyone passes by, I blink my lights and I wake my eye. Oh, I'm the happiest Christmas tree. Christmas Day, wait and see. I'll be laughing happily. With a ho 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 he he, with a hey and a he and a ho ho, with a he and a ho and a ha ha, with a hey and a he and a.
Christmas, baby. You sure did treat me nice. Merry Christmas, baby. You sure did treat me nice. You gave me a diamond ring for Christmas. Now I'm living in paradise. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. Got good music on my radio. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. Got good music on my radio.
to kiss you, baby. Ah. While you're standing near me, beautiful people <clears throat> welcome back to the second hour of love baths love talk i got miss tina in the house because uh guess what's coming anti-mall day <laughs> miss tina owns her and her, her beautiful husband they own a lot of studio and uh and a lot of good things come out of a lot of studio <laughs> a lot of good things uh but they've been doing this anti-mall thing for a minute how long has this been and where are you that looks warm and inviting. <laughs> Maybe I could just say it's a really nice Zoom background. Oh, it really is, girl. That's the best one I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the anti-mall has been going on for uh, seven years. Seven years we've been in the building there in Westville. Um, and we kind of kicked it off uh, within the, the first few months of us taking over the space. I, was, I didn't realize it, was, it has been going on that long. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was, um, I, uh, we skipped a pandemic, year with right. pandemic, yeah. Um, so I guess then that drops the number down, but. Okay, all right. So how did it come about? Uh, you know, how did it come about? Uh, basically, we just, uh, we knew that there was a lot of artists that were in our building and uh, in our neighborhood that, um, we're always looking for places to vend. Um, the Westville Village Renaissance Alliance had done the tree lighting events for many years before this, and I had helped uh, kind of organize a few events that were based around that. Uh, and then once we had access to our own space, we thought that it was important to um, ride the coattails off of that event that had already started and just kind of amplify it in the way that we uh, knew how, which was just inviting other artists to uh, do something cool. And so, so I got the press release. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, and I, I love this because uh, in addition to the 12 artists showcasing their work at Lotta Studio, you have 13 private studios upstairs at the West River Arts, which I've been up there mm-hmm. many, many times for open studios and, yeah. and open studios turned into uh, open source. Um, the private studios will be open this day and will as well. And <clears throat> excitedly, 
some of the West River art arts artists will be having <laughs> guests in their studios um, on the second Saturday. So some okay. of these some of those guest artists are uh, Janet Brody, Heather Gordon, <laughs> clothing brand two hundred three tree two hundred three tree clothing. Yep. So let me tell people who the artists are. So sure. Then get your money right. And go for it. <laughs> so uh, Susan McCaslin, did I say that right? That's right. Uh, no, no Jimenez. Noe Jimenez. Noe Jimenez. <laughs> David Sepulveda, who makes okay. the best him and uh, uh, they, they these wonderful mobiles. Yeah, he and Semi started doing the uh, the mobiles. But David is a painter as well. David has many things. He's a writer, he's a photographer, a painter, a sculptor. And has the best hair of just about any man in town. Dulio mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Jackson, who I know very well. Uh-huh. Um, Don Wonderly, Eric Epstein, Travis Carbonella, who is a, a, a filmmaker. Um, and I'm sure a man of many, many talents. Many too. talents. Many talents. Uh, Kate Stevens, who I have a bunch of her pieces of jewelry. Uh, Tia, T, T Montgomery, who just got the arts award from the arts council just the other night, uh, right. talented designer, fashion designer and Howard L. Yazin. L. Yazin. Uh, yeah. L. Yazin. I'm sorry. Yep. L. Yazin and Karen Azoff. That's right. And so now when is this Saturday or Sunday or Monday? I mean, Saturday <laughs> or Friday? What day um, is it? So when we first when we first uh, started doing second Saturday events for the building, the intention uh, was to um, have a, a space where the community could come in and see what the artists were working on on a very casual format. Um, we don't really uh, kind of strive for that perfection gallery setting. Like we really like the idea that you can come into the maker space and and see their process and talk to them about what they are currently working on versus adding that level of stress to only show finished projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the second Saturday event, uh, again, kind of started off of some other uh, events that were already in the process. Um, and we decided to just kind of have one established day uh, every month where the community was welcome to come into the private studio spaces. Um, so then hosting the anti-mall on a second Saturday seemed relevant so that all of us could do something. I love this. So I, I, I have in years past gone to uh, anti mall day and, and bought things and mm-hmm. I still have them. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we, we really like to make crafted. sure that we're, yeah, that we're inviting artists that, um, you know, that make good things. Like the, the idea that you can um, support a local artist, support a, um, um, a small business and, um, and really utilize that, that product um, and love it. And the longevity of it is kind of the, works for everybody i love it so are the artists excited about this and how do you decide which artists do you put out a call like what Um, happens do they knock on your door like well a little bit of both um so i was lucky enough to spend two years uh working as the event coordinator for art walk that uh westville hosts um so i really got to connect directly with a lot of these makers and vendors that um we're working hard to make a living in this in this uh, crazy freelance contract role kind of way um, and jumping around from markets and selling things online. And so uh, there was definitely certain people that I gravitated to right away. Um, you know, the ones that had that nice balance of um, 
of business sense and visual aesthetics and their table design was well and their product was um, nicely packaged and thought out. And um, I really liked to kind of invest uh, my energy in promoting artists that take the time to really think about all of the elements that go into running a business. But 12 is a lot of people. 12 is a I lot mean, of people. Do you, do you, do you think this is the cap or do you think, oh, you know, the first year we may, you may have had five artists. Oh, I don't know how many artists you had the first right. time. Right. Well, the, the, the first time uh, we were still over in our original uh, studio space where Pistachio now resides. Um, and I believe that it was about the same. I don't think it was ever really more than 15 I could fit over there. Uh, so now that we are in the 903 studio space, um, I can comfortably fit 12 to 13. So there's a few less. Um, so I have to be very careful about, um, you know, not making sure we've got the same type of product being sold by different vendors, um, kind of try to eliminate the competitiveness, uh, I guess, with the market. So we really mm -hmm. try to encourage uh, a good variety and some options. That's a lot of work because <laughs> yeah. you, you have to pay attention to each artisan, right? And say, yeah. okay, well, we can't have 20 soap makers and we can't have- Exactly, exactly. You know, and we try 20... to do that with ArtWalk as well. I mean, ArtWalk has, um, you know, most years we pull close to 40 art vendors in for that because we've got, you know, what, two to three blocks worth of space. Um, but coming into the studio, it's a little tighter. <laughs> so <laughs> um, there's, uh, I would tell you that, so out of the, um, what, what 13, 13 vendors, 12 vendors that we have this year, I can tell you that 10 of them are repeat vendors um, and a few of them have been with us since the very first one. So mm. uh, the fact that a lot of these vendors thoroughly enjoy coming, they're eager to accept the invitation, um, it really kind of says something about how they feel about the event. Like we try to take care of, um, as much as we can for them so that they just focus on their product, making their product and selling their product and packaging their product. And um, just like to kind of support them in the ways that we know how with good marketing, good communications, um, you know, designing flyers and promotional material for them to use. Uh, we've kind of steered clear of um, the printing elements this year uh, and last year as well, we we didn't make any prints, but usually we do postcards um, and then small flyers to hang up around town. But we have definitely found that the social media platform uh, can kind of better execute what what we need. Mm. And yeah. so, is it is it just one day, or it or is just was one it day. always one day, or was it a weekend? Because I feel like it ought to be a weekend. <laughs> you know what? That um, I would tell you that about half the people feel that way that it should be a two day event. Um, and, you know, hosting it inside in our studio where they, the vendors don't have to tear down a tent or a table or put away their product at the end of the day. It seems reasonable. Um, so I, I'm not opposed to, to maybe exploring that in the future. I think that when I had proposed the idea this year, um, a couple of the vendors were already booked for that okay. second day. So that kind of made the decision this year to just keep it down, down to one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. what kind of crowds come through? Like, what have Ooh. you seen? I mean, I know, I, listen, I know it's like uh, <laughs> it's hard to, uh, to pressing bodies it. in there, right? Because yeah. I've got it. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty, it's growing to be a pretty 
destination kind of thing. So it is. I've been thoroughly surprised with each, you know, each year pe- new people walk in and they're like, oh, this is fantastic. Have you done this before? And I'm like, yeah, where have you been? <laughs> um, but, you know, we keep getting, uh, you know, fresh faces that come through. If I had to estimate, I would tell you that there would be between, you know, three to 500 people that come through the studio space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we try to really think about the best flow of traffic um, you know, to accommodate that many people. So it doesn't feel too, uh, too crowded in there at one time. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, why it's a six hour event also we kind of space it out a little bit, thinking about different times when the brunch places of, uh, West will close down. Um, you know, then we'll see kind of a little rush after that, or if there's a long line waiting for, um, Bella's, then we'll see, you know, a crowd of people come through, and walk through the space while they're waiting to get their seat at the table. I like that. Yeah. I like it. So um, do you charge vendors? Like, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. like how do you, is this a, how do you benefit from this other than supporting oh. artists and yeah. getting, and getting people to see the studio and all of that? Like, yeah. I mean, one, that's like the main, the main thing, right? Cause I want to make sure that um, at no point anybody feels like it's too much work and they're not being reimbursed for the time that they're putting into it. Um, I do charge the vendors and that allows me to give up my studio space for about a week because I do a lot of uh, preparation beforehand and make sure the space is beautiful, have tables set up for them and everything. Um, So I book the studio out for a week and then I spend a lot of time doing social media posts um, and just making sure that the word of the event gets out there. So I wanna make sure that I feel compensated for that time because then it allows me to feel excited every every time that this, this event comes up and I know that I can uh, dedicate a good portion of my week to just, you know, representing these artists. And, you know, I, I, I don't think we talk enough in, in art spaces about the business of art yeah. and what that is, what, what is required for artists to sustain themselves, live comfortably, make mm-hmm. the art that they want to make and not have to have 20,000 jobs behind them. Yeah. That art making is a business. Can yeah. you speak to that a little bit, Mistina? <laughs> how much time do we got Babs? Um, I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's really a thing that I try to focus on. Um, I mean, when we decided to start doing this event and I knew that I needed to charge the vendors, I wanted to make sure that they could not only cover the cost of their time and cover the cost of the, um, the fee by how much money that they were going to bring in, in the day that they were selling. Uh, so you kind of have to think about what you as the event person can promise to those vendors in terms of uh, kind of a financial stability with what they're going to get back from that day. Because um, it's a lot of time to kind of prepare what, what they're needing, they need to take into account their expenses, their materials, their time. Um, and you don't ever want to charge a vendor fee and then not have that vendor feel like it was a successful selling event for them. Um, I think in all, you know, in all, relativity you know being an artist is is an exciting um field to be in but you have to look at yourself as a business or else it's it's going to just drive you into a hole sometimes um more than sometimes a lot (laughs) so uh, i think that you know one of the things that we learned very quickly is to um allocate a certain amount of time to take care of everything that needed to be taken care of to be an artistic business um so you have to you know put in the schedule you have to put down okay today i'm going to send out invoices today i'm going to 
um, you know, deposit checks today. I'm going to uh, make my schedule for next month and really kind of think about all of the other avenues that come into being an artist instead of just um, making the art, which you have to leave time for that. But if you are lucky enough to have somebody else, you know, as a studio manager or a representative um, or an artistic manager being able to take care of those business things, and that's pretty fantastic. But most of us don't have that. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to kind of, you have to just kind of make a, make a schedule for yourself um, and understand that like for me, I have to dedicate time to pre-production and I have to dedicate time to shoot. And then I have to dedicate time to the post-production um, because if I don't dedicate time to post-production, then my client's going to be sitting and waiting for their images for too long. And then they're going to be upset and then they're not going to want to hire me back. Um, so workflow is a big thing that we focus on as far as um, the business side of running a lot of studio. Mm, I love yeah. that. I'm glad that you got to, to speak to that because I, I think I want people to know that art is a business yes. and that we love art and we have our feelings about art, but yeah. it is a business and, and artists really do need you to, to, to buy their, um, to buy uh, their, their, the things that they make. So, um, so these artists that, that are, are showing on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, they have their own following, I would imagine. Absolutely. They do. Um, so when we're doing all of our Instagram promotions, we make sure that we add those vendors on as collaborators so that they can in turn share the exact post that we're, that we're sharing um, and kind of benefit from each other's uh, followings as well. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the vendors have a substantial amount of, of people that are really interested in what they're doing. And then some of them are, you know, much less followed on social media, but have a great kind of connection with their e-news list or with face-to-face people. I mean, whoever, however you connect with the people who are interested in what you're doing, um, we just ask that all those vendors kind of tap into that so that we can, um, I mean, running an event, running a business, it's it's nice if not everything lands on one pair of shoulders. So, mm. you know, we've got 12 to 13 vendors, we've got Luke and I, and we're all kind of uh, carrying, <laughs> you know, portions of it and uh, not really allowing one person to feel the weight um, which is which is why we like to do um, as much as we can to support those artists on the promotional side as well. I love it. So let me let me switch gears because I I you know the more that I talk to you, the more I get to know get to know you, <laughs> and I'm such a fan girl. Uh, but you're not from Connecticut. I am not from Connecticut. <laughs> no, um, I grew up in Montana, um, and then I went to school out in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, which is just north of LA. Uh, I love started, Santa Barbara. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places. I, I mean, it was really rough. Let me tell you, it was rough living <laughs> there for college. Really, really challenging. Oh, the um, hardship, the hardship. <laughs> I all the hardship. <laughs> uh, and then I worked down in LA for a little bit. And then Luke and I moved out to New York um, to uh, kind of get his career started out there. And then I was taking, you know, portrait work and some of the smaller work. We were down in the city for a little over a year, and uh, this country girl was like, "I'm not feeling it." <laughs> uh, so New Haven was a great opportunity for us. We uh, literally just got off the train and found an apartment. And uh, how did you know to come to New Haven? Like, what was the? That, that's where the train stopped. <laughs> like, there was literally no reason. I was just like, "Well, I guess we got to get off now." <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, it had, it had a really great, uh, it had a really great balance to it for me. Um, I mean, I had access to nature and hiking and water um, and trees and grass and mud. And uh, I knew that I needed to, uh, you know, I'm the type of mom who loves to pick their kid up covered in dirt and mud and grass stains. Like it just, uh, I needed that for my kids. Um, and, and then still access to an arts community. Uh, I mean, there's, I know that there's a, you know, a larger conversation when it comes to like what Yale has to, has to do with New Haven, but I was excited that, that there was um, that kind of transient appeal to it. It meant that things kept getting fresh, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're not just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Like there, there are elements of New Haven that kind of keep reinventing themselves. And that was very appealing to me. Oh my goodness. So how did y'all land in the village? And, and, um, and you know, how did, how did you know that this would be the place and, and you bought this building? Well, so we, we have, uh, we have a, the whole building leased um, with the option to buy if it becomes available, but we will, we will deal with that if that opportunity arises. Um, so, I mean, I mean, really, it was Phil. Like, I just, it was kind of like a weird love at first sight kind of thing. Um, we lived <laughs> the first uh, three years over uh, near East Rock Park um, and loved that as well. I made a, a solid group of friends living over there that, that helped me in those first few years of uh, new motherhood. Um, some great guidance and people that I'm still friends with today. Like, our children have just known each other since they were, you know, one and two years old. Um, and those relationships are, really, really treasured. Uh, so I think that, you know, one, the price of rent was a decision, you know, maker over there. Our rent was going up in our East Rock apartment. Um, we were in a two bedroom and we had three kids. So it was a little, you know, a little tight um, and started looking around. And I, I'm not sure what the first event was that I, that I went to over in Westville. Um, it might have been Art Walk. And I was like, oh, here are my weirdos. I'm really happy to finally find <laughs> I you. My people. I'm my people. My people. Um, and I think that really just really, really quickly, um, I got swooped up by, you know, the other mothers and artists and uh and creators over there and felt um just immediately welcomed. And it was just really easy. I had a really, really easy time just kind of sliding myself into what was already going on over there. Um, one, I think that they were looking for, you know, a young mother who had a lot of energy to take on more events. And they were like, you <laughs> come with me. And I was like, okay, you know, just this like starry eyed and, um, you know, not jaded and uh, ready, <laughs> ready to just kind of take a beating with, uh, you know, everything that, that, um, that I was going to take on starting from there. Uh, so, <laughs> so you're right in the heart I mean, I, what I love about New Haven is there's art scenes everywhere, right? Like yeah. Westville is a hub. Downtown is a hub. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Audubon is a hub. Um, uh, Dixville is a hub. New Hallville is a place. There's all these little pockets of art, uh, uh, the hill. So where, where do you see, or what would you like to see New Haven do with its art scene? And and, and I'm asking, this Ooh. is a very sort of, uh, you know, I serve as the chair of the Arts Council. So, so I'm asking this yeah. question for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a, that's a very layered ask, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that 
Uh, I think that what New Haven does best is really amplifies young and upcoming artists. Um, I think that there is kind of this weird platform that artists hit after they've um, been working in the city for a long time where they kind of start to feel a little irrelevant. Um, and there and and there's that like balance of how do you keep um, again reinventing yourself so that you constantly feel and look um, like you're doing something new and interesting, uh, and that that gets really tiring. Um, you know, there's there's a level of excitement when you know when somebody is like, oh hey, check out this new artist or check out this this new person who's coming to New Haven, and like everything is new and shiny for them, and it gets really exciting. But there's this you know, these different tiers of artists that have been existing and creating here in New Haven. And I think that it might be a little um, unbalanced in kind of who gets uh, not attention, but maybe spotlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I'm excited to uh, to be kind of in that middle level right now where I'm, I'm not new, I'm not up, up, upcoming, I'm not, you know, bright and shiny, um, but I'm also... <laughs> Uh, I still have this whole platform of artists who I am thoroughly astounded by, like all the time, um, who are a more seasoned demographic, who have like a, who have many years on on me. Um, so I, I'd like to see kind of New Haven uh, find a way to uh, run a thread through all of those different uh, age de- um, d- demographics uh, as, as far as like the, the layers of what types of artists have been creating here for so many years. I, um, I like that. That's a good, yeah. that's a, that gives me something to think about. Yeah. I mean, and when to, we came into Westville, it's not like we reinvented the wheel, you know, like there was a, there was a whole group of artists who had been there since the early nineties that had really laid a lot of groundwork um, for us to kind of step in and, um, and grow as quickly as we did. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, it's an exciting thing that um, when you're a new artist, you don't necessarily see that you don't, you haven't been around long enough to kind of see the growth uh, as to where things were and where they could go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so both you and Luke are working artists. We are. And so how, how do you raise a family like that? Like, what does that look like? <laughs> what does that look like? Uh, let me tell you, Babs, I'm sure my children. I mean, your children are amazing. Stories. They're beautiful, beautiful children. I know <laughs> them and I enjoy them. Yes. Thank you. They're, um, they're just, they're truly exceptional, right? So they've, they've not only gotten accustomed to navigating New Haven, which is an urban environment, and um, they have the, the street smarts, I think, to, to kind of make me feel comfortable as a parent with them going downtown and running the buses or biking. Um, I mean, they go all over the city. And I think that I'm comfortable with that because I know that they can one, pay attention to their environment, make good choices in stressful situations. And um, yeah, and and basically don't, they don't have a problem telling people what they think, uh, <laughs> which parenting that can be challenging. Oh girl, I know. But, but I know it's going to make for some great adults. Um, yeah, I mean, having, uh, I would, I would love to have our oldest daughter, like, or our youngest daughter, write a memoir about what it was like growing up in our household, because, you know, there's definitely times when you, when you're like, oh, uh, I'm sorry, I have to take all of the furniture out of our house so that I can stage a studio set. Um, (laughs) and they'll like walk downstairs for breakfast and they're like, where are all the chairs? And I'm like, there's not, they're not here. 
they're being used for an art scene um <laughs> you know or when you have to like you know when when you have to have those conversations about budgeting uh you know with you know a seven and eight year old I'm like I, I know that you really want to you know go do this but we have to in, invest in our career so that it can grow and then we can do things you know all together and and a lot of conversations just of uh you know basic human things of, of making money and spending time doing what you love and spending time doing what makes money um there's just a lot of talking in our household about very real life things i love there's, that there's not a do lot you, of sugar coating <laughs> do you miss montana um i'm uh the correct answer is yes hi mom hi dad um i you know i think that uh i knew that if i wanted to be an artist i needed to leave montana um but going back now as an adult and visiting i see again how far that that community has come um in supporting the arts it just took them a little bit longer to get there um, I'm, I obviously adore my family and I had a beautiful childhood, which was exciting. Um, and the, uh, the nature is a huge part, but, um, I also don't really like bugs. So <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that about <laughs> like, you. Like, okay. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I will, I can tell you that we will never really move back and live there. Um, unless okay. I need to unless I need to go help with anything. Yeah. I think everybody listening was leaning in to, to hear you say that. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. And not be going anywhere. Like, where is she going? I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we have like, we have uh, seven more years left on our building lease. Um, and I think that at that point, my children will be out of the house. Um, you know, our careers ideally will have elevated to the next level. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, fair to say that at that time we'll really examine like what we have done in that building and where it's going and and if uh, we're needed as as uh in the way that we have been for the past few years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah because I, I love the idea of you know building something fantastic and then passing the torch for somebody else to to kind of take their spin on it yeah I, I appreciate yeah. that too just not yet no. I think I think you still have lots to do in that community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around, around at least around seven years. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, you know, and I know seven years ago like that. Exactly. Exactly. You no, know, it'll yeah. go like that. So so tell me, what is the best part of your day? Bedtime. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I wake up in the morning, help my kids get out the door for school. And, uh, and, you know, usually spend maybe an hour to two hours before I go down to the studio, um, either taking care of, of my space, uh, meditating, relaxing, like just making sure that I'm in the right mindset to move into a creative, uh, you know, thought process. Um, I think that I've, I've definitely been able, um, since my children have been a little bit older to take, uh, that time for myself, which is really wonderful. It's really wonderful uh, to be able to just spend a couple hours in the morning having a cup of coffee, uh, journaling or doodling, and and then walking into the studio around ten to kind of start my day of either shooting or retouching, um, building a set, or taking care of um, other needs that come with managing a seven thousand square foot building. 
<laughs> well, I, I want to thank you as the chair of the Arts Council for the beautiful pictures that you've done of all the awardees over the yeah. years. I mean, they are just, I mean, I, I think for me, that's the award right there. Like <laughs> to, to, to be, to be done up to be, be mistinaed you know <laughs> we're gonna tm that trademark there you yes go. i love yeah, yeah, mistina yeah. is a is a wonderful thing i mean every year after year is just the most beautiful i i think that's the art right there like that for me that's the award people getting their beautiful portraits done in ways that they don't see themselves you know mm. what i mean it's very beautiful so i i just want to say publicly that that is some fine damn photography girl fine mm -hmm. Thank so. you. Thank you. I mean, it's really exciting. The the uh, you know the arts awards are. Um, I think I experienced it just as a guest the first year that I was in New Haven, um, or maybe not the first year I was in New Haven. It would have been like a couple of years into it, but the first year that I experienced it, I wasn't doing anything to be a part of it. Um, and a couple of my friends have been the recipients of those awards, so it's always super exciting to kind of cheer for them. Um, and then how many people have I got to meet and work with that I wouldn't have had that kind of connection to um, had I not been doing these portraits? I mean, the conversations that happen with these awardees, you know, <laughs> I step away from it and I'm like, oh, that was really cool. Um, and so I think that there's there's not ever, you know, been a time when it's like, oh, ugh, like that was that was really a hassle. Um, like everybody who walks into the studio is just open minded and appreciative and super excited to be um, you know, being receiving this award and getting their picture taken. I mean, some people get a little nervous as, uh, you know, not just uh, for the award, but just being photographed. Um, and so you've got to take your time to make them feel comfortable, ask them questions and make sure they're ready to, to kind of perform and be documented before you even pick up your camera. That's, that's half the job right there is just getting to know them and making them feel comfortable really quickly. That's it. Well, you do a beautiful, you yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. You and Luke do beautiful, beautiful work. Thank you. And, uh, so I just wanted to say that publicly. So, uh, so it uh, kicks off Saturday. That's right. The anti mall. I, I love anti mall. It yep. just sounds very revolutionary and rebellious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that that title, um, uh, Kate Stevens. Uh, and I kind of sat down um, and her studio mate at the time, Sarah Bratchel, who is also uh, a New Even artist, we all sat down and was like, okay, like, what are we, like, what are we going to do here? Um, and we, knowing that the name was one of the biggest things that we had to like, make sure we got right. <laughs> because, you know, it's like holiday market. <laughs> We're a little bit tougher than that. Um, so I, you know, it's, and I also like the idea that, especially this year, um, the anti-mall falls uh, before Hanukkah. So we get to kind of encapsulate both holiday feelings and and really making sure that, uh, you know, it's a shopping opportunity to support the artist and it doesn't have to be for a holiday. Like it's just, you know, we're just not big box stores. We are here to stand in opposition of uh, the malls and make sure that uh, we give the opportunity for the patrons to come in. Well, I love it. Thank you for your time this morning. I, I so appreciate talking to you. And uh, I love popping in the Lotta studio. And I can't wait to Lotta studio after dark again. And <laughs> I know. I know. I'm throwing stuff at you like. Yes, <laughs> I am ready. So I, I am taking, you know, I'm taking a lot of December to kind of get, um, 
you know, get what next year looks like. We have a few things that are planned where we get to kind of start bringing back um, some guest artists. I'm really interested in hosting some actual photographic workshops um, in different locations, which is cool, so that I can work with um, either hobbyists or other commercial photographers to kind of share some of the lighting designs that we've uh, finessed over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's like really cool to kind of feel like I'm, we're coming out of the pandemic and I'm ready to hit the ground uh, with yeah. some new opportunities. I feel you on that. And, yeah. and, and I think you're the best person. So if y'all are around <laughs> on December 10th from 12 to six, the anti-mall um, shop small is happening over there on uh, 903 Whaley Avenue in New Haven. That's right. Do you think that before we jump off of this, can I name the artists who are going to be downstairs at the Antimal? We said the ones that are upstairs in their studio. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So for the Antimal, we've got um, Black Goat Milk, who, I mean, like that symbol is everywhere now. Um, we've got Eric Davis with Metal and Woodworking. We've got Pistachio Print Company, who does screen printing. Ave Rivera, who is like the cutest ceramic cups and, and, you know, earrings and things that I've ever seen. Um, we've got Alexis Brown coming in, who is like, talk about fangirl. I'm like her number one fan. Um, Daniel Eugene, who's bringing in some of his new uh, photographic works from uh, track shows and car racing. I'm, I'm hoping that he has some of his clothes that he's been working on too. Um, Sammy Joe Jensen with Flora Apothecary, like great soaps, candles, smells, health stuff. Um, the honeybee project with candles and uh, I love all, them, just so sweet. Um, B Meyer Studios, who does woodworking, um, and our like newest artist to this is Zoe Jade Phillips, who is our neighborhood rug dealer. Oh, making, making some rugs. Uh, we've got Dooley downstairs, Kate Stevens as well, and Kaya Smith from Smith Made Essentials. Okay. Well, awesome. I, I, there's a flyer. <laughs> Thank you, guys. So I, I, I'm telling you, Mistina, you have yeah. to do this more than one time during this holiday season. I know it's a lot of work. I know, I know, I know. Well, I think I think that it's it's hard to think that we can populate two days. Like it's a condensed shopping opportunity. So I know that I'm going to have a lot of people come through. Um, and I just kind of get nervous of like spreading it over two days and then people are going to be like, oh, I'll go tomorrow and then forget. No, I mean, like, so, like, like, oh, throughout December the year. 10th and then you do it like <laughs> December, like the next Saturday. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like multiple so Saturdays people, in December. Yeah, I'm just that's just my own. I'm just right, being my right. own selfish ask <laughs> i appreciate it thank you appreciate thank you so it. much for joining me this morning i really enjoyed talking to you i really do don't act so surprised babs you know it wasn't going to be too hard <laughs> so thank you and y'all get you. out to see on saturday um and shop for me because i'll be in north carolina so i'm going to miss it i'm so right. sorry but that's why you want me to do it more than one day well yeah self-serving okay, <laughs> self-serving <laughs> So enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, and I know it's going to be a grand success this weekend. So thank you, my dear. Thank you for the help in promoting it, Babs. Yes, my joy, my All joy. Right. So we'll be back tomorrow, y'all. Y'all say goodbye to Miss Tina. And uh, Miss Tina, thank you so much. You're welcome. I'll see you later, All my friend. All right. Thank you, Harry. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Bye. Oh, Anru is here tomorrow, 1015. So... Get your Arishas in order. Hi, this is Dad's Roll by New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNH.
103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.